the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. This is your NFL Week 10 Best Bets episode. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen, joined by three Action Network experts, who will be going through their three favorite bets for the upcoming Week 10, Sunday, Monday slate. As a reminder, you can follow along the pod on the Action app by following our account that logs the picks from the show, Action Network NFL Picks. It also includes the Sunday six-pack from Raybon and Stucky and these best bets that we're about to dish out. Six and three in Week 9, 46, 33 and two record for the season. Anthony DeBundo. Shout out to you again. Nice work last week. Coming in for Luke Swain. Goes 3-0 and today. Luke is back. Luke, good to see you again. Glad to have you back. I mean, unless you don't do what DeBundo did. There's already a QB controversy. Brandon Anderson, as always, is here. And Jill Gallant. And Jill will be with you again Sunday for the Touchdown Show. Sunday morning, 10.30 Eastern. He's with you all NFL season. Uh, live on the Action app. Action Network HQ on Twitter and on YouTube. So... Four bye weeks to account for this week. Bengals, Ravens, Patriots, and Jets. It's repetitive, but we have to keep repeating it. Underdog rolling 57% clip. That would be the same for road underdogs this season. Favorites of seven or more. We see more and more big numbers as the year goes on because we've identified who kind of stinks. Uh, favorites of seven points or more. They're winning 21-9-1 and one straight up, but against the spread, hitting at just a 35% clip at 11-20 and 20 against the spread. We have three of those situations this week with the Chiefs, Niners, and Eagles. It is the least profitable start for touchdown favorites since 2015. Unders hitting at just shy of 60%. And if you were a $100 better and you bet all unders this season, you'd be up close to $2,000. It's the best start for the under through nine games in the last two decades. With all that being said, before we get to the best bets, we describe the slate in a sentence or less. Brandon Anderson, week 10, what comes to mind? We are exactly halfway into the new season. We've played exactly half of the games. It is time to let go of your priors. All those preseason thoughts, Rams, Packers, Bucks. Get trust what we've seen so far. Fair enough. Joe Gallant? Turnovers. Uh, right now, this is the first week since week one. We've had nine or more quarterbacks with plus odds to throw an interception this week. So it's going to be very interesting to see if some of these quarterbacks are going to keep it clean this week. Oh, you love the sound of that. I can just tell. And Luke, week 10, what do you think? It's just there are a lot of quarterback injuries going to this weekend. Like the MVP favorite, Josh Allen, and Stafford has concussions. Kyler has a concussion. Um, I can't remember a slate that's had so many injury questions to top-tier quarterbacks. Okay, our first bet bet of the day will come from Brandon Anderson. As a reminder, these guys have not consulted one another before this record, so we may have overlap. We may have contradictions. That's what makes this fun. So without further ado... Brandon Anderson, week 10, best bet number one. You already know. We're going international, guys. Seattle Island, we're heading to Munich. Seattle Seahawks, plus two and a half at, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's still some threes out there if you can grab it. 
Guys, Seattle is good. I talked about it just a second ago. Let go of the priors. I didn't think Seattle was good coming into the season either. Literally on this podcast, I recommended betting for Seattle have the worst record in the NFL. This is a long time ago. We made that money up and then some because Seattle is good. The Buccaneers are not good. Bucs have four wins the entire season. They beat the Cowboys, the Saints, and the Rams in games where they had one touchdown in those games. They beat the Falcons thanks to a nice referee decision, a little lofty flag for Tom Brady. Their own four when they allow 20 or more points. Seattle has four wins by double digits the last four weeks. They're just crushing teams right now. They also led Atlanta with under a minute left. They led the Saints with five minutes left. They're that close to being eight and one right now. Maybe then they'd get a little bit of respect. Last five games, the Seahawks are fourth in overall DVA. They're fourth in defense. We talked early on in Seattle Island when we were still establishing our settlement about how good the offense was, but man, the defense was not good. Well, I think the defense caught up and maybe passed them by. They're still fourth on offense for the season. Fourth at all the things is pretty good, guys. There's 32 teams and fourth is very strong. The Buccaneers, offense, terrible away from home. Shaq Barrett out, I think, is another blow for this defense. And look, I think Pete Carroll loves that the Seahawks are still underdogs here. Pete Carroll, I think, is relishing this underdog role. You just, you look at a Seahawks game and you see guys that have each other's backs. You see guys smiling and you make a mistake. They go right back to that guy. Tyler Lockett, you dropped a big play. Let's get you the game-winning touchdown and get it right back. That's the sort of like college mojo thing that Pete Carroll has done so well. Hey, you know what team's not like that? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They hate each other. They are longing for their, like, they're watching DVDs of the good old days and the Super Bowl championship. Tom is not up for a flight to Munich and hanging out with the guys on the long flight. Like, this is going to be a terrible road trip for them. I don't see it. I don't understand why the Bucs are favorites here. We know that all the numbers, Pete Carroll underdog, Geno Smith underdog. I've said it every week, so we don't need to go there again. But guys, neutral field, so take the better team. Sales, better offense, better defense, better blocking, better running, better passing, amount of fingers, better health, better coach. And guess what? Better quarterback. Give me Geno Smith, oh. not Tom Brady. Give me Seattle Island, plus two and a half. Gino, number one in the NFL in completion percentage, number six in the NFL in passing yards. Yes, he has had, and he's the front runner, by the way, to win comeback player of the year. He is the leader as of now entering this week. Saquon, the only man behind him. Gino Smith, what a story. He's been quite the story in 2022. Jill, your first pick, week 10. All right, so we're going to look at Colts Raiders, and we're going to take under 41 and a half, and we're going to start with, Sam Ellinger. I'm not calling him Ellinger yet. He's got to win a game before I pronounce his name properly. <laughs> and uh, But he's been pretty gross, be man. Like 304 passing yards and two starts. And I know facing the Patriots on the road, you got to take some of these stats with a grain of salt. But I mean, 0 for 14 on third down just ain't it, man. And since the Jonathan Taylor injury, now Taylor is expected to come back. He's starting to practice. I don't think it's going to matter either way. But the Colts offense has just sunk to another level. Like this season... Outside of that miraculous comeback against the Jaguars, they averaged 10.8 points per game. Like the And for me, the only positive that you can take away from the Colts, and they kind of showed this last week against the Patriots, their run defense is still really solid. Uh, 160 rush yards just allowed in the last two games. And I mean, even when they faced Derrick Henry the last game, yes, he did rush for 130 yards, but he had to rush like 32 times to do it. Um, and I think that's going to have to make Derrick Carr 
have to pass more if Josh Jacobs can't really be as effective. And he's been pretty dreadful lately, man. Like I know that we saw those two touchdowns to Devontae Adams, but it's just struggled to be consistent. He has 11 passing touchdowns this year, but only three have been in the second half. The Raiders kind of start strong and then just fade out the way, I mean, it pretty much epitomizes their season. Um, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, they just got put on IR, so even less weapons to them. Stephon Gilmore's probably going to match with Devontae Adams, and he's been highly graded by PFF so far this season. Um, and the Colts' defense really excelled in the second half. They allow 7.3 points per game in the second half. That's fourth in the NFL. So I think if Indy can hang around and kind of keep the Raiders from explosive plays in the first half, I think this game goes under comfortably. Total opened at 43 points, much of the handle on the under in this game. It's kind of weird to take a side in this one. We saw a line at six and a half earlier in the week. Now it's at four and a half and getting the points. They can't cover the first half spread, which is alarming, but they are good to the under eight and one. The Colts to the under this season, five and zero oh on the road. And how can you trust the Raiders in the second half? They've been brutal. Just see that Jacksonville game. They, what was it? One target for Adams? Never mind catches. He had one target in the second half against the Jags. Yeah, Luke Swain. 20 yards and two touchdowns and nine catches in the first half. He finished with one catch and 10 yards in the second half. So what does that tell you? For folks that need to hear a rant on that, go back and check out the uh, recap pod from <laughs> this past Sunday. Someone from this podcast may or may not have erupted in dismay. Luke Swain, welcome back. First best bet for week 10. So my first one's going to be the Niners as a seven-point favorite hosting the Chargers on Sunday Night Football, um, where this one's going to be just a Niners team who the last few weeks has been a shell of themselves based off of injuries, where we already know that we're going to be getting Debo back, Jaskowski back, Jennings back, um, and then there's some guys like Armstrong who are trending in the right way, uh, still waiting. Uh, going against the Chargers team, who is facing probably the worst injury bug in the entire league right now, where they went against a Falcon secondary last week that is the worst in the league uh, by a substantial margin. And Herbert struggled throwing the ball. Uh, he, I think he completed like 20 of 38 passes uh, for under 300 yards, and they barely won that game. And now they're going to a San, Fran- San Francisco team who – Strength is running the ball, which is the Chargers' weakness by far. Um, and the Chargers won't be able to throw the ball. And the matchups just favor the Niners. I know it's a divisional dog, and people want to back the shiny object of Justin Herbert uh, as a seven-point underdog on primetime TV. But I just don't see it. Uh, Keenan Allen seems like he's going to be out. Mike Williams is definitely going to be out uh, with the Niners getting healthy. Um, I think the Niners just stomp the Chargers on Sunday night football. Um, so okay. I'll take... Niners minus seven. Two teams heading in different directions as it pertains to injuries. Nicely laid out there. Yeah, Chargers, it doesn't seem like it's getting any better. You mentioned Williams, Allen, and uh, linebacker issues. Hopkins didn't practice this week. The kicker, if that matters to you. That that matters when it comes to a spread and hanging in there to get a backdoor cover or something. So Matters more than a running back, I think. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Always got to get some running back slander into the, into the episode. <laughs> nice work. Okay, back to Brandon. Best bet number two. I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins, minus three and a half against the Cleveland Browns. So, again, we've talked about the Dolphins a bunch. When Tua Tagovailoa plays, when he plays over half the snaps, the Dolphins are 6-0. and And Tua in those games is averaging over 300 yards a game, almost touchdowns a game. That's what he put up last week, another big number for them. In those six games, Miami is number one in overall offense and number one in passing offense by DVOA. So they are lighting it up. 
Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. We just haven't seen a defense be able to match up with this team yet. And I'm not sure that's going to be Cleveland either. Their defense has not been great this season. A little better lately, but just overall in the season, still not good. The Bruce offense has been good, but it's not really the sort of offense built to win a shootout. This sort of game, they want to be in control. They want to be on the front foot, run the ball, and stay in control. Well, Miami's defense isn't good either, but the one thing that is good is their run defense. Actually, top 10 on EPA in run defense. So if you limit that a little bit, now you got Tua, Waddle, Tyreek on one side trying to win a shootout against Jacoby Brissett, Amari Cooper. Love you guys, but not really the side of the shootout that I want to be on. And then for me, the key here are some of the splits. It's a home game for Miami. Miami at home, fourth offense compared to 11th on the road, and seventh defense compared to number 31. So that's a huge change for them. Cleveland, 15th offensively on the road versus number one at home. So big home road split change here. And then the really key one for me, Cleveland's defense ranks 31st in the second quarter and 30th in the fourth quarter by DVOA. We've talked a lot about this. Miami late and a half is wearing teams down. All that speed, they're wearing you down. Late and halves, their offenses, uh, their offense is putting up big numbers. So I think that's not going to line up well for Cleveland. Second half, Cleveland has only covered 17 of their last 53 second halves. This is just not a team that manages to get the job done late. It really never has been. So I think right now we're remembering the Browns from the last time we saw them. We saw them on Halloween. They had the big Monday night win. They beat up on the Bengals. Best game of the season. But if you look at teams that covered by seven or more, then they went into the bye week. You're feeling yourself. You're feeling great. Good vibes. Maybe a little too much, perhaps. Those teams that come out as road underdogs, three to seven points the next week, are five and 14 ATS and only one and 18 straight up. So those teams have not played well, losing 12 of those 19 by double digits, the last five by 18 or more. So the script could set up similarly here. The Dolphins can hang a bit on anyone and uh, high total here, too. So I like the Dolphins to cover the three and a half. I don't mind not getting the three because I think they win with these. Okay, by a thread, J- Jacob Brissett as a in, a in his career as an underdog is just over 500. Kevin Stefanski just over 500 against the number as an underdog in his tenure with the Browns. Money is coming in on Cleveland, so Brandon is going the other way. 79% of the money, 47% of the bets. So more of the bets are coming in on the Dolphins, but the money coming in on Cleveland. Let's go to Jill, second best bet. All right, so... Brandon kind of did me a bit of a favor. I already kind of laid out the case for why we should be looking at Miami offense. So I'm going to stick that game in the Browns Dolphins. I'm actually going to take the over 49 and a half because I think this is a great recipe for an over because, you know, some de- decent offenses. I mean, I think I'm selling Miami's offense short when I call them decent. I think right now they're probably the most of offense in the NFL, but some struggling defenses as well, because they both allow 25 points per game and they each average over 24 points per game, which is both ranks in the top 10. The one reason why I'm really encouraged, why I think the Browns can put up, let's five points just to cover their half of this over here. They're first overall in runs of 20 plus yards and they're third in run uh, attempts per game. Like, so they don't really deviate from that game plan. Like they, they will stick to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt routinely. Um, and I think that's going to be able to let them just at least keep it a little bit close. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to keep it within the three and a half. Now the Dolphins 
been pretty good from a yardage standpoint, but have given up 11 rushing touchdowns this year. And they just let Bears offense kind of just junk it up and scored 32 on them, right? So, um, and the Browns, I think they're trending in the right direction from an injury standpoint, especially for their run game. Dave Njoku is back practicing. Same thing with Wyatt Teller. Um, they already ranked second in rush yards and touchdowns this season. So I just think that they're going to be able to at least hold up there in the bargain. And plus, if you just heard what Brandon said, the Dolphins' offense is explosive as hell. They're going to be able to put probably 25 to 30 points on their own. Now, five of the Browns' eight games this season have combined for over 50 points. They let the Jets score 30 points on this defense. So I'm pretty sure the Dolphins should be able to handle that. Uh, so give me the over 49 and a half in what I expect to be the highest scoring game of Week 10. Browns' team total over at FanDuel is 23 points. Cleveland and my uh, Miami's team total is at 27. So to get that 25, you'd be hitting a team total over in that scenario. Best member two, Luke Swain. So my second one is going to be Packers as a five-point dog at home hosting the Cowboys. Oh. <laughs> Where <laughs> this one, it's just, we're just going to be taking a Packers team at the lowest. Every week, it seems like we're taking a at the lowest market expectations. But at, as Brandon said, like we got to throw out the priors. This isn't a Packers team that we thought they were going to be. Um, but as a five point underdog at home, like I can't remember the last time the Packers were an underdog at home like this, like ever. Um, with it's, the, it's, the, it's the longest, the biggest home dog spot of his career. This is, this yeah, is it's it right here. Gotta be. Where, yeah. Like if you're going to attack this Cowboys team, it's going to be running the ball, um, which if the Packers can do anything, Aaron Jones is going to be playing Sunday. Um, he came off the injury report, and you got A. Dillon, where they can cover this number just like they covered the Bills number uh, two Sunday nights ago, where if they run it down their throats, they can take advantage of this Cowboys team, uh, where it's really just the Packers have lost five in a row, and this is their season. Like, if they want any chance of making a run, like, they have to take this game. And I can't think of a better way – to create hope than beating America's team, which you're always going to get enough number on um, where I'll just take the Packers plus five and a half. Rogers is a shiny object that I keep harping, like fading, but this one is just, you have to close your eyes and take um, that'll take his spot every single time. Last time they were in this spot, 2016 Packers were home against the Seahawks who were a good team. Seattle uh, felt it four and one that year. Devontae Adams was still a Packer, 104 yards receiving on six targets. Jordy Nelson was still a Packer. Randall Cobb was no longer the, he was not the corpse of Randall Cobb at the time. And Jared Cook was the tight end. Ty Montgomery was the, the running back who does not matter, but he was the running back at the time. Okay. Uh, by by the way, uh, Aaron Rodgers as a home underdog, not a lot of sample here, but five and a one ATS all time. Covering by 11 and a half points a game, and he's only lost once as a home underdog outright. Yeah, and he kind of owns Dallas. Seven and two, six and three, the number that includes two playoff games. It, it does feel like these are like the, the Patriots trends where it's like all the Patriots trends have Tom Brady involved with them, where like the Aaron Rodgers trends right now had Devontae or like someone, the Pulse, come to now. <laughs> Mike but, McCarthy. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Jill, you, you okay with this? I feel like you have thoughts. Uh, I'm just conflicted you know but at the same time i know that aaron Rodgers owns the cowboys i have no problem admitting that it's just this time i feel like i think we got him but at the same time I trust luke i know that he's really good at what he does so i'm just like oh he's probably right god damn it so 
hopefully they just only win by four. Are you worried about the run defense? That was the one thing that was like, man, it, it feels like the Cowboys could just drop like 200 rushing yards on this Packers run defense. Which I, but I, I still think the Packers can do the same as well. Like maybe a little yeah. bit less, but if they're both running the ball, like if they're bleeding that, that clock, like that provides value to the underdog. Um, where, but like at the same time, or the <laughs> this is like a topic that everyone's doing right now. Where if Zeke's taking Pollard's carry, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Fair enough, right? Pollard coming off a big week. Zeke practicing, expected to be back. For the Dallas, moving on. Final pick from each of the guys. Brandon Anderson, what do you got? Going with the Pittsburgh Steelers at home, underdogs, underdogs to the New Orleans Saints. Andy Dalton, Dennis Allen, road favorites for some reason that I still haven't quite figured out. This was our pick, I think, last week on this podcast. This was the look ahead. Finally, the line has started to move a little bit. Hopefully move much further we like the talent underdog spot of course so let's keep the underdog line here but i think it is just a great situational spot pittsburgh's coming off a bye week which man everyone needs a bye week but pittsburgh really needed it kenny pickett gets a whole extra week to work with the offense settle in a little bit but i think especially the defense is what i'm focusing on here it looks like tj finally is back and tj watt changes everything for this team last year DJ Watt, when he played, the Steelers' defense ranked 13th in DVOA. He missed twice, and they dropped to 30th in the two games without him. I know it's a small sample, but DJ Watt played one game. They were the number three defense. In all the games without him, they dropped to 31st. So basically, take one man off of the team, and they're a bottom three defense. Put out there, they're a top 10 defense, top five pass defense. Suddenly, you have this good, maybe great defense at home against... Andy Dalton and not Michael Thomas because he's gone and whatever other receivers other than Chris Olave are left. I don't really understand why the Saints are road favorites here. We we saw that they could barely even move the ball against Baltimore. That was Monday night. So we're a short week here against a rested opponent. And then you guys know, I got to do the Tomlin underdog stats. Mm. So Tomlin out of by a week, 11 and four straight up, but Tomlin as an underdog, rah, rah, Mike Tom week five forward. 39, 16, and one ATS, 71% cover rate. And then the good one, the great one, as a home underdog, 14, 2, and one, 8% cover, 90% ROI. You're basically just doubling your money when you bet on them. Nine covers in a row, seven times outright that they've won straight up. But I'm not going to step in front of that train. Certainly not for Andy Dalton and Dennis Allen. Make the rest of the team, the healthy team against the short week Saints. Steelers preseason win total was seven and a half. And I think folks that may have decided over were were because they felt TJ Watt was that impactful. They got that thrilling week one win and it felt like, okay, maybe they can hang around here. And as it pertains to the Saints side, Andy Dalton is a road favorite for just the sixth time since 2018, um, and he's been against Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, Brandon Allen, Kyle Allen, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So um, Kenny Pickett is his guy this time, but Dalton is just one and four against the spread as a road favorite since 2018. Back to Jill, number three. Yeah, I, I mean, this is probably going to be the most bet underdog of the week. I'm, I'm with Brandon, but I'm taking Steelers' money line at plus 115. Whoa. I mean, it's a pretty short spread, so it's I don't feel like I I'm that brave by doing it. But that being said... I don't think we could really argue why this is going to be the, the one of the most bet of the week because 
Kenny Pickett is finally going to get, you know, appropriate practice time with the ones. Um, DJ Watt, you know, they're going to get a jolt. And Dalton, who is very familiar with Mike Tomlin, and Mike Tomlin is very familiar with him because Dalton, in his career, obviously playing with the Bengals, six straight up in eight career games in Pittsburgh. And those two wins uh, back in 2012 and 2015, one of them, Ben, didn't even <laughs> play. You know, he's lost three straight games. I know it's not called Heinzfield anymore, but it'll always be Heinzfield in my heart. Um, but uh, the Steelers' run game should actually get a little bit of improvement this week as well because uh, Najee Harris, I believe he's going to probably take a little bit of a step back. You're going to see Jalen Warren actually come in. He's actually averaging a little bit over five yards per carry, whereas Najee's having that Liz Frank injury. It's around 3.3 yards per carry. And I think Deontay Johnson and George Pickens are going to be able to get off. Like, no Marshawn Lattimore. I think Deontay's going to have his first touchdown season in this game. So, yeah, Steelers' money line, I think, is the is the bet to make. Luke Swain. So, I'm not going to have a lot to say on this one, but I'm going to go with the Steelers as well. Oh! <laughs> Plus one and a half underdog where I mean, Brandon stole all my trends, I was going to was gonna say. So, <laughs> the one thing I do want to mention is, I mean, you got the Steelers as a home underdog. And DJ Watt is, if he plays – like if he just plays on Sunday, he is the most impactful defensive player. Like I can honestly remember in a long time um, where he just changes like everything where if you look at the Steelers, like the Steelers schedule so far in terms of DVOA is the hardest in the NFL to date, where if you just look at the defenses they played, I'll just let's, if you got Patriots jets who are a lot better than we thought they were bills, bucks, Eagles, like those are five of, like those are the last five weeks. It's a Saints defense. That will be their easiest opponent um, in terms of DVI by far to date. Um, off of a bye week and the Saints coming off of a short short week where I hate to like overreact coming from someone who bit on the Saints, but like there was just nothing on Monday that gave me any hope. And yeah, the cliche of like the wrong team's favorite, I just don't get that um, with the Steelers being an underdog. And TJ Watt plays and he brings it. And we saw him Monday, Andy Dalton's been putting up these numbers, but when he had any type of pressure, like mm-hmm. it was, it was a problem. Um, so I'll just take the Steelers at plus one and a half. And once Watt is declared in, I would assume, like I, this is probably going to go to a pick'em. I think it was two and a half yesterday, and tending to think is starting to move based off of the assumption that TJ Watt is playing because he is that important. Where there aren't a lot of players that are outside of the QB that are going to move the line like this, and that just speaks how important he is. Mike Tomlin said earlier in the week, TJ Watt, optimistic about him playing yeah. on Sunday. Yeah, I'll uh, just give you a little bonus Steelers pick here too. Since we're all three on Steelers, I believe that's only happened once this year. We all three had a side. I think we had a Packers side against the Bears maybe and got a yes. nice easy Packers win. So let me give you a little bonus Steelers pick. We'll look ahead. I am looking already at Steelers home underdogs to the Bengals next week. So that could be a bonus look ahead for you. And on futures Friday this week, Steelers over five and a half wins. Brendan, you mentioned the seven and a half coming into the season. We're at five and a half. Now they only have to go four and five the rest of the way. And Luke, you mentioned the schedule, hardest schedule in the league so far, 20th ranked schedule the rest of the way. I think they have a chance in any game the rest of the way, especially if the defense is as much improved as we all seem to think that it will be. So couple extra Steelers picks. If you like the Steelers love here, there's a couple more ways you can back them going forward. Love it. I see Vegas on their schedule, Carolina, Atlanta. They play at Indy Monday night when Jeff Saturday goes back on his old network. Mm. Cleveland to wrap the season. Very good. And by the way, uh, just to drive this home, Pittsburgh getting 64% of the bets, 66% of the money, according to the action app, Pittsburgh plus one and a half. And a lot of the money in Jill's case, 
money line pick is coming in on Pittsburgh as well. That is heavily uh, in favor of Pittsburgh as it brings to the to the trends. Okay, speaking of look-ahead spots, Brandon, you gave the bonus look-ahead before the actual look-ahead, which that's different, but that's what, that's what makes <laughs> us unique here at the Action Network Podcast. So you gave the bonus look-ahead. What's the look-ahead? The look-ahead. We're going to go with the New York football giants, minus three and a half at home against the Lions next week. This is all about the number of play. With look-ahead, like some, some of these look-aheads I've been focusing on, just grab the pick that I know I'm going to like. I'm trying to get back to what look at is supposed to be here, which is grab the CLV, get the closing line of value. And this is a spot where I think this line's going to move because look at this Sunday. The Giants are off a of bye week at home against the Texans, who we all think is the worst team in the league. So the Giants are big favorites. They probably win comfortably. The Lions are underdogs like usual, but underdogs to the Bears. And Justin Fields is playing great, could carve up that defense. The Lions can even get blown out if, if the Bears keep playing like they have. So if the Lions lose big to Chicago of all teams and the Giants win big, I think this is a line that rises quickly because suddenly you have Giants 7-2 and two at home against the 2-7 and seven Lions. I don't think these teams are quite that far apart, but we know that the public is going to like a New York team. And in our luck rankings that we have at Action Network, the Lions dead last in luck. The Giants are second. So... Normally, that would say, okay, but you should be betting the Lions from that way. Right. Well, how I interpret that now is I want to grab this line now because by next week, I think we might be looking at Giants minus six, Giants minus seven, something like that. And then then you might have to take the Lions because now the public perception has pushed that line up. Right now, no one's thinking about that game yet. Right now, the line is more where it should be. So I'm going to grab the Giants now. We might even be able to come back on it the other way. Last five weeks. Giants are number 11 in DVOA versus the Lions 29th. No surprise there. But we knew the Lions was great early on. The offense, the Lions offense is down to 27th in the last five weeks, whereas the Giants are top 10. And honestly, they have been for most of the season. Detroit also much worse on the road. So I think it's a great spot here at the three and a half. I suspect by the time that the line comes out for next week after Sunday, I'm going to have to be looking at the other side. So I want to grab it right now. I like it. Make your own luck now by beating the luck rankings. Nice work. Okay, let's recap the picks and then we'll get out of here. So, Brandon Anderson for week 10 is on Seattle Island plus two and a half, but it's in Germany this week. Seattle plus two and a half against Tampa in Germany. Miami minus three and a half against Cleveland. And he likes the Steelers plus one and a half home dogs against New Orleans. Jill is on the Indy Vegas under 41 and a half. Browns, Dolphins over 49 and a half points. And he likes Pittsburgh money line at plus 110. Luke is on San Fran minus seven, home to the Chargers. He likes Green Bay, home dog, plus five against Dallas. And he too is on Pittsburgh plus one and a half against New Orleans. For our NFL Week 10 Best Bets, we are presented by FanDuel. Thanks to Brandon Anderson, Joe Gallant, Luke Stain. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen. Best of luck with your best this week, everybody. We will see you again Monday morning for the recap show right here 